Good morning, everybody. Good to see you all here today. Um, if you would join with me on page 530, Battle Hymn of the Republic. If you would, please stand for this. It's a great song to stand to. All right, page 530. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He hath loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. I can read his righteous sentence by the dimming, flaring lamps. His day is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Sounded forth the trumpet that shall never sound retreat. He has before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. of the lilies, Christ was born across the sea, with the glory in his bosom that transfigures you and me, as he died to make men holy, let us die to make men free, while God is marching on, glory, glory, Good to see everybody here today and a good number of visitors. Good to see Brother Kenny and his family with us today from up in Barnhart. Is that right? Barnhart. Good to see you all here. And saw Austin. Where's he at? Back there in the back. Good to see you. And he's from O'Fallon. Is that where you said? So about an hour away. So good to see him here. And then um, the Roberts have their daughter and uh, some guy that just happened to come along with her, I guess. Uh, but good to have you all here with us today as well. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the day today. Father, we're so grateful and thankful for the privilege to be here this morning. Lord, in the day we're living in, uh, I pray you'd help us never to take for granted the freedom, the liberty we have to meet together. And Lord, we're rejoicing in that today that you've given us another day set aside to put our hearts and our minds 
on you. We ask that for the next few moments you'd help us to lay aside the burdens and the cares of this life that perhaps are distracting and keeping us from putting our hearts wholly upon you. May we lay them aside and for the next few moments put our hearts and minds on you, on your word, and on the fellowship of your people. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this service, that it would be an encouragement to us, that it will strengthen us and draw us closer to you. Pray that you would allow your Holy Spirit to have free reign and free course, that we would be sensitive and yielded to his leading in our hearts, and that we would respond appropriately to the preaching of your word. We pray that you'll bless all that is said and done, that it will bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you. you may be seated. Just one or two quick announcements. Um, first of all, right after the service this morning, if you're planning on helping with Vacation Bible School today, we're uh, still trying to go ahead and move forward with planning it. Uh, and then we'll have to see if we need to change the dates and times of it or anything like that. But we will have a brief meeting for those that uh, would like to volunteer to help with Vacation Bible School this year. And uh, let's just meet right down here in the front after this service. And uh, then, um, and, and I won't keep you very long, just want to give you a, kind of an update on where we stand on it uh, and what we'll be considering over the next few weeks. So if you can help us out with that. Uh, also, uh, coming up here in just a few weeks, the, um, the Crow family will be with us. And some of you remember them from last time they were here, uh, Philip and Diane Crow. And uh, that will be on June the 14th. want to encourage you to come and be a part of those services. And uh, just precious folks and servants of the Lord. They've uh, traveled for many, many years uh, preaching and evangelism and uh, singing. And you'll, uh, I promise it will be an encouragement to you. And I uh, want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that if you will. We're planning on doing a senior luncheon uh, this June 18th. And again, we'll see how uh, everything goes with the whole lockdown and social distancing and everything. Um, that one may have to be pushed back one more month yet, but we're going to go ahead and plan on it and uh, see how that goes. And our plan is to go down to Lambert's. So uh, if you want to come down with us on that day, if not, we'll do it the next month. Um, but uh, go ahead and mark your calendars. Plan on that. That will be on June uh, the 18th. Then be in prayer uh, for many of the folks that we have been mentioning over the last several weeks. I got uh, word from, actually Brother Tom just brought up a, a text from Miss June whose uh, blood counts, platelets were down again this week. She was not able to have her chemotherapy treatments. And so pray for that. Um, it's going to be kind of back and forth, it said. So pray for her that God will bless there and uh, allow those counts to come back up. She had to have a, another transfusion this week. Also, Bob Schwabert, who is under hospice care, uh, pray for him and the family. Um, also, Debbie, the Uber driver, who I think you would mentioned before, is also under hospice at this point. Is that correct? And so pray for her and her family. And uh, she is saved. She gives testimony of being saved, and we thank the Lord for that. And, um, boy, only Christians can understand the grace and the peace that comes during these times. And even though there's sorrow there, that we can rejoice uh, that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We thank the Lord for that. Uh, continue to pray for uh, Miss Linda and Brother Richard's half-sister, who also has cancer uh, that has now gone up to the brain, I think you had mentioned before, and also for uh, their brother Ron. Uh, who's got congestive heart failure, continue to pray for him. My sister also has uh, another procedure that they're considering doing. Uh, the first one came back benign, and we thank the Lord for that because it could have been much worse than that. Uh, also pray for Jean Whitener. Uh, we mentioned her in Sunday school this morning. A couple, about a week and a half ago, fell and broke her hip and had to have a partial hip replacement, and she's struggling with her recovery right now. So please be in prayer for Jean Whitener 
Uh, also, the folks over at Beacon Baptist are trying to sell that building over there and pray that God will bless there and, and bring the right person along uh, to purchase that building. And uh, so many things to be in prayer about. Uh, we thank the Lord for answered prayers. Amen. And we've seen some great answers to prayers here recently. Uh, Sharon, uh, the other night, Miss um, Kimmy called me. Um, about seven or eight months ago, I went to visit a lady up uh, about an hour and a half away from here, up north and west of St. Charles area. And um, her name is Kathy, and uh, shared the gospel with her. Spent about an hour and a half. She's a, a paraplegic and bedfast, and was going through some very difficult times and depression and some things like that. And uh, spent about an hour and a half just uh, having a visit with her and sharing the gospel with her. She didn't get saved that night. And one of those things that you leave and you kind of uh, your heart's heavy because you think, boy, uh, she should have gotten saved. She understood it. She knew it. And uh, But over the last several months, God has continued to work in her heart. She asked for a Bible. She began reading her Bible. And um, here just a, about a week ago, Miss Kim called and said that she had gotten word that she trusted Christ as her Savior. And so you never know sometimes. You know, you plant a seed, and it takes a while sometimes uh, for that to take place. And we thank the Lord for that. So great answers to prayer. Certainly a lot to be thankful for. Amen. Uh, I'm glad we get to meet together today. And um, a lot of a lot of places around the world still are not able to meet. A lot of places in our country are not allowed to meet today. And so thank the Lord that we're allowed to meet here and certainly enjoy being back. Aren't you glad to be back around God's people? I'll tell you, I've missed it. And uh, that time of fellowship has been um, missed greatly. And so I thank the Lord for it. All right, Brother Keith. trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more and the morning breaks eternal bright and fair when the saved lovers shall gather over on the other shore and the roll is called up yonder I'll be there when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the Bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise and the glory of his resurrection share. When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the skies and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the Let us talk of all his wondrous love.
and God's time, not ours, so we can't be late for that. All right, um, are we going to be shaking hands? Or are we just all right, Let's turn around, wave to everybody, say hello. Glad you're all here. <laughs> Join with me on page 498 when we all get to heaven. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansion bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. good to be saved this morning, isn't it? And uh, I'll tell you, as we sing about heaven, uh, the older I get, the more excited I get about it. And uh, boy, good to see the Newtons here today. And Brother Victor, good to see you here this morning. I was thinking about you all this week. And uh, Ryan came by yesterday, and uh, good to see you. And Mama and uh, had a good time of fellowship yesterday as they came and got some food here. And uh, we had, by the way, we've got some more left. Uh, Brother Keith, I don't, I don't know how much more we have left down there, but if you need some, we had a lot of produce donated to us this week. And I think there's still uh, maybe a sack of potatoes down there and some a few other vegetables. So if you need any of that, uh, let us know after the service. You can help yourself to it, kind of first come, first serve. And uh, if you do need some and we run out, let me know. We'll get some more of it, okay? So I want to encourage you in that. Ephesians chapter 2, if you will. Ephesians chapter number 2. And a good, good number of folks back in the services again today. Not quite everybody yet, but uh, we're getting back there. Amen? And we thank the Lord for that. 
It's been hard preaching to just a camera and a few people sometimes, so I'm glad there were two or three folks that kept coming every week and every service, and that was a help to me and such a blessing uh, to be able to preach uh, to people, not just to a camera, and we thank the Lord for that. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, I can't wait to get to heaven. I, the more I think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, I, I love some of the songs that Fanny Crosby wrote, and uh, the idea of seeing our Savior, first of all. I shall know Him by the prints of the nails in His hands. And oh, what a wonderful joy it is to think of heaven and the time they're together. Um, I'm thankful we're saved this morning because it's only by God's grace we're saved. And um, we, didn't, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. In fact, we weren't even lovable, were we, at that time? The Bible says in Romans that when we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, He said Christ died for us. And, um, boy, I'm thankful, aren't you, that we're saved and on our way to heaven. The psalmist said, When I consider the heavens, the sun, moon, and stars which thou hast ordained, he says, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? You and I, of all people, ought to love God with all of our hearts for what he has done for us. And uh, we ought to rejoice in that. By the way, I, I think a Christian ought to enjoy their Christianity. Amen? I think there ought to be a, a something that, that I heard a preacher say it this way one time, it ought to be an effervescent overflowing of joy in the Christian life. When we get around people, they ought to notice a difference. Uh, I think our world is, is, um, has looked at Christianity for far too long and said, boy, I, there's nothing there I want. But can I tell you this? We have a great God, don't we? And we have a great Savior. And our world needs to see it, and our world needs to know about it. And we need to make sure that when we're out there in, a, in this world and telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ, that they see our heart, that they know that we love Him with all of our heart and all that He has done for us. And uh, I want to encourage you in that um, because I believe we're living in some of the, the very last moments of the last days. If we're ever going to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, we'd better get on with it. Time is short. And you say, Brother Greg... People have been saying that for many, many years, and God still hasn't come back, and that's true. But even if we only look at our lifetime, time is short. Life is a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And if we're going to do something for the Lord, uh, we need to get on with it. Amen? And everywhere we go, everything we can to uh, share the gospel with other people. Look with me, if you will, in Ephesians chapter number 2. We're going to read several verses together. We'll begin in verse number 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we, had, we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us 
through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Father, we pray that you'd bless the message this morning, encourage our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would help us to leave here loving you more than we did when we walked in. I pray that you would help us to leave here more consecrated and more dedicated to living a life that is pleasing to you. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that has never trusted you as their Savior, they've never put their faith in you, I pray that you would allow that convicting of your Holy Spirit and the drawing of your Word to work in their hearts and show them that need, and that they would get that matter settled today before it's eternally too late. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I am thankful today for God's grace. I was reading uh, something this week by a person who denies that there even is a God. He was criticizing Christians, and he made the statement, I, I'll paraphrase as best I can recollect the, the wording that he used. He was talking about believing in fairy tales and how that uh, Christians use this as a crutch and they live out of fear that God is going to judge them. And I thought, as I read these words, I thought, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of John in chapter number 3 that there's not one thing we have to do to become lost. We are sinners by nature. We are born sinners. And the truth is, the Bible says in John chapter 3 and verse number 18 that we're condemned already because we had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. God didn't come to bring judgment and condemnation to us. The whole reason that God came to this earth and sent Jesus Christ to this earth was to save man from a condemnation that he was already in. And I thought, boy, this fellow who was pinning these words had completely missed the joy and the good news of the gospel story. For some reason, our world has gotten the mindset that, 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 that the gospel is a, is a condemning gospel, a judgmental gospel. And the truth is that a just God cannot tolerate sin and must have judgment upon it, but we are already in that condemnation before we're saved. We get to the book of, of Ephesians, and in the letter that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and as he gets to this portion of his letter, he says this in verse number 1, and I love it. He says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior today, something that used to be dead in you is now alive. There's something new inside of you. In fact, the Bible teaches us that when we trust Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit of God comes to indwell us and live inside of us, and we become the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in us, which the Bible says we have of God, and we are not our own, because we're, for we are bought with a price. And I'm thankful that the day that I got saved, something new happened inside of me, and something became alive that didn't used to be there. By the way, some of us, when we get saved, we still live like we're under the law of sin and death. And the truth is, we're walking in the Spirit today. We have the Holy Spirit guiding and directing and illuminating Scripture for us and leading us and directing us and opening a path before us and opportunities come our way to serve our God. And we of all people ought to rejoice in that. He says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Notice this, and this is something that I think we ought never forget. 
wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We used to have that conversation, didn't we? By the way, I hope it can be said of us that it used to be that way. Because when we become a new creature, the Bible says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Boy, the day I got saved, I grew up in a pastor's home. And I remember about four or five years old, I watched as I sat right over about where Miss Evelyn's sitting there with my mom. And, uh, you know, growing up in a pastor's home, you're in a glass house. You notice that? And uh, I was talking to my mom. I got to go down to see her last week. And uh, I was talking to her. And I said, boy, I, I, can't, I can't even remember how many times in the middle of church she would pick me up and we'd go out that side door. And everybody knew what that meant. <laughs> I was getting a whooping. And uh, I was misbehaving in church. And the thing was, you'd think as a young man, uh, a whipping would be enough and you'd come back in and sit there and behave. No, no. There were services that I'd go out twice in one service. I hadn't learned enough yet. And, and I'll tell you, I, I remember growing up in a pastor's home. And at five years old, I sat there and I watched at the end of the service when people would come forward and kneel at the altar. And I thought, boy, that looks fun. I was one of those Dennis the Menace fidgety guys and ADD and just had to do something. And I pulled on my mom's sleeve in a service and I said, I want to go up there. And she said, well, why do you want to go up there? And I said, because I want to go up there like those people are. And she said, well, let's wait till we get home. So I remember going home that night and uh, she talked to me about some things. And to be honest with you, I don't even remember what she said. But I do remember we knelt down beside a bed and we, uh, we prayed. I can still picture the night that we did that. And we prayed a prayer, and I woke up, or I got up from the prayer, and uh, the way some people pray, woke up. But um, I got up from there, and, and, and from praying, and I thought, well, that was kind of neat. We, we made like an altar at church in our house. That was kind of neat. It was like playing church. But I was lost. And I was about uh, 12 years old, well, off and on throughout my my years getting up to my preteen years, there would be times that I would wonder about my salvation because things that, pe that people loved about church and people loved about the Lord Jesus Christ, I didn't have that love. I didn't have that desire for those things. I sat in church and endured it. I, I would sit there and count the time and look at my watch and try to be like, boy, Dad, I wish you wouldn't be long-winded. Hurry up and get done. And... Um, about 12 years of age, I began to have very strong doubts that I was even saved. In fact, I was pretty sure I wasn't. And I began to have nightmares. And I, I, I remember dreaming a dream multiple, multiple times as I was battling and questioning whether I was saved and, and pretty well knew that I was not. And the dream was that the rapture happened. And my mom and my dad, and believe it or not, my older sister... They began to rise, and I know that the rapture takes place quickly and instantly, but in my dream, they were floating up into the air. And here I am standing on the ground. I'm going to tell you, I woke up in a cold sweat many, many nights, nervous and worried. If that trumpet were to sound tonight, mom and dad and sis would go to heaven, and here I'd be laying in my bed. I remember... For months, the Holy Spirit bringing strong conviction on my heart. 
I would sit in services and I'd grip the pew and I would, I, I would almost step out. I mean, I'd get to the point where the muscle wanted to twitch even and move that way. And the thought came to mind, here I am almost 13 years old, right about that time I was probably 13. And I thought, what are people going to think? Here I am 13 years old in a pastor's family. What are they going to think of my mom and dad? What are they going to think about me if I come forward and tell them after 13 years I'm still not saved? I was sitting in a high school chapel service on a Tuesday in November of 1983. Before I came to school that morning, I had already made up my mind, I am not going another day. When they give the invitation in the chapel service, I'm coming forward. Brother Stuart Durstock, a dear, dear friend back then, was preaching the chapel service. He got done with the preaching, and I don't even know what he preached on that day, to be honest with you. The entire time he's preaching, I'm thinking, I've got to get up there. I've got to get this thing settled. I can't handle this anymore. And I remember at the end of the service, he got done, and he had us bow our heads, and he said, how many of you, God has spoken to your heart today in some way? And boy, my hand shot up. And he said, let's pray. And for some reason that day, he did not give an invitation. I thought, boy, that, that, that didn't work out the way I was hoping it would. I went back to class. And aren't you thankful for, aren't you thankful for people who are sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit? I was sitting in class and a knock came on the door. And Brother Durstock's standing there. He was our high school principal. He said, Hey, I need to see Greg. Normally, <laughs> if he came and asked for you out of the room, that was not a good thing. Our school still believed in paddling. And uh, I got up, and I was half nervous and half anxious. I wondered what it was. And he called me down to his office. I sat in the chair. He said, Greg, I, I noticed your hand was the first one up today. He said, I came back to my office and was praying about the service. And he said, I just felt like I needed to come ask you if there was anything I could help you with. And I said, Brother Durstock, I'm not saved. Never trusted Christ. I've never put my dependence of my salvation on Him. I mean, I'd grown up in a pastor's home. I mean, what kind of trouble can you get into when you're 12 years old? Mom and Dad whoop you every time you turn around for even looking cross-eyed. It's easy to get to the place where you think, boy, I'm not that bad. I remember tearing up and telling him, I'm not saved. I said, I need to get saved. He said, you want me to go get your dad? And I said, boy, that'd be great if you would. He went and got my dad. My dad and I sat there and talked for a little bit, and he asked me some questions. And he had asked about when I had prayed when I was five. And he said, uh, he said, Greg, if you're not sure that you're saved, I thought he'd be all embarrassed and upset. He said, oh, he said, let's just get it right right now. I had the great joy of kneeling with my dad. I can still picture the chair. And for the first time, I put my trust and my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not a prayer that I prayed. It was a decision of my heart. 
And if God was not who He said He was, if Jesus had not done what He said He had done, if He, if he had not been who He said He had been, then I would be lost today. Because He's the only one I'm trusting to take me to heaven. It's not because I was raised a Baptist. It was not because I was raised in a pastor's home. It was because one day I finally realized that I was lost and in need of a Savior. And I put a decision in Him that day. I'll never forget, I got done praying that day, and something was different. I mean, it was just different. I got up that afternoon, that morning, and every morning in, in school, uh, we'd go to homeroom. I was in seventh grade at the time. We'd go to homeroom, and uh, they would have a devotion, and they'd have a different student each day give the devotion. I never forget coming into class the next day. I had actually read my Bible that night because I wanted to. I mean, it was it was a joy to me. It's amazing how alive the Bible seemed at that point. All of a sudden, things started encouraging my heart in it. And I went to school the next morning, and the things that I had read about the night before that would have been such an encouragement to me, I thought, man, I want to share that with the class. So I went to the teacher, and instead of somebody being assigned to give to the devotion, I said, can I... Can I do the devotion this morning? And she said, sure. And I shared with her what was on my heart. And then the next day, you know what? I went home that night and I wanted to read the Bible again. I mean, I wanted to. There was something different. I had grown up in a pastor's home where mom and dad set the time aside for us and said, you're reading. Here it is. It was no longer mom and dad made me. It was that I got to do it. And I remember God exciting my heart that night about what I read. And I went to school the next morning. I said, can I do the devotion again this morning? And for about a week and a half, I did that. And finally, she said, Greg, we've got to let somebody else do it. I remember going out to the playground about two weeks later, three weeks later. I was talking to one of my good friends, Eric Bush. And uh, he said, man, there's just something different about you. And I said, I got saved. He said, I thought you were saved. You're a pastor's kid. I said, no. I said, I hadn't been saved. And I, I spent some time that day telling him what God had done for me. And when I got done telling him, I'm only 13 years old. I can still picture the tree Eric and I are standing at, and I'm talking to him about it. He said, the truth is, Greg, I'm not sure I'm saved either. on the playground with all these kids running around screaming, Eric bowed his head and trusted Christ as his Savior. I say all that to say this, that when we got saved, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. There was something different. And I'm going to tell you, there have been times that I've drifted from the Lord since then. There, I'll be honest with you, we're all human, aren't we? There are times that we're on fire for God and we're excited. And there are times we feel like, boy, Lord, where are you at? And there have been times, I'm certain in my life, that I've gotten away from the Lord and I've not been as close to Him as I should have been. But I'm going to tell you this. From that day in, in November of 1983, when I trusted Christ as my Savior, until I stood here before you this morning, there has always been something different. There's never been a time where something was not different in my life. He goes on to say this, among whom also ye all had your conversation in times past. 
in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And I want to encourage you in this, that there's not one thing in this world that you and I can do to save ourselves. There's not enough good in this world that I can do. The Bible talks about our righteousness. You know what the Bible says about man's righteousness? He says it's as filthy rags. Wouldn't it be ridiculous for us to stand before God one day and if we could physically bundle our righteousness up in our arms and lay them at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, this is why I think you ought to let me into heaven, he'd look down and see a bunch of filthy rags there. That would be no reason to allow us into heaven. We were by nature children of wrath, but God, who is rich in mercy, aren't you glad for God's mercy? I'm going to tell you what. I, when I was growing up, I I used mercy and grace interchangeably. I, I used to think, boy, they're they're pretty much the same thing. God's mercy, God's grace, His grace, His mercy. But the truth is, they're exact opposites of each other. For mercy is getting not getting what we deserve. We certainly deserve the punishment for our sin. We deserve the price. We deserve what the Bible refers to in Romans chapter six. And verse number 23, the wages of our sin, don't we? That's what we deserve. My dad, for years, would talk about sometimes when he would do a, a funeral service, they would, uh, someone would make the comment, well, they've gone on to their just reward. And my dad used to say from the pulpit, he said, boy, I'm glad I'm not going to my just reward. Because the truth is, if we got what we justly deserved, we would not be able to have eternal life in heaven with our Savior. We'd have to go to the place of hell the Bible speaks of. We find that God who is rich in mercy, He does not give us what we deserve. Instead, He offers to us forgiveness of our sin. He offers to us redemption from a life that is dead. He offers to us a new life, a quickening of the Spirit. I'm thankful that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible speaks of in the book of Hebrews chapter number 7, is the surety of our salvation. He's the guarantor of it. He's the co-signer, if you will, of it. So that when you and I sin now, Jesus says, put that on my account, it's already paid for. And if we've trusted Christ as our Savior, if we've put our faith in Him and depended upon Him for our salvation, He gives us, the Bible says, His righteousness. Boy, I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. I don't have to sit here with a bunch of filthy rags and stand before God one day. I get to stand before Him with the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ on me. And by the way, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior today, so do you. Because of His great mercy and His great love, the Bible says, wherewith He loved us. I cannot fathom the love. I've talked with other people before. Why? Why did God love us? And I know when we get to heaven, the Bible says that we will know uh, all things. We're going we're to have a perfect mind. The things that we see through a cloud darkly now, we're going to understand. Then face to face, we're going to see it clearly. But I wonder often, when we get to heaven, if we will ever know the reason 
why God loved us. Because I don't understand how He could love us. But I'm so thankful He did. The great love wherewith He loved us. Notice He says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Grace is the exact opposite of mercy. Instead of not getting what we deserve, when He gives us His grace, He gives us something we don't deserve. We certainly did not deserve His mercy. And the greatest act of grace that God has given to us is His mercy. Unmerited. Undeserved. And hath raised us up together. And I want us to look at this. And this is the message this morning. All of this has been introduction. But the message is not near as long as the introduction. Alright? So bear with us. Look with me in verse number 6. I want you to see the message now. And hath raised us up together. And made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. When we got saved, the reason that God did not immediately take us home to heaven is because we are to show forth the grace that God has given to us. That's what Paul says in verse 6. And he hath raised us up together and made us to uh, sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why, Paul? That in the ages to come, ye might show, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us. When the world looks at us, we need to be pointing them to the grace of God. When they see something about a Christian, they ought to see something that excites them. And they say, boy, that's something I need in my life that I've been missing. That part of me that's been dead and has been searching for this thing, that person has it and I want it. Boy, there ought to be something about a Christian. When they walk down the road, when they come into contact with you, you ought to know them by, by just their countenance, by just their presence. There ought to be something about them. He's saved us. He's raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in, in verse number 7, he says that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. By the way, can I say this? And I want to say it very kindly, but I want to say it very strongly, very boldly, that it does matter how we live after we're saved. There used to be something dead. We used to walk, it says we used to, in verse number 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. That's, in the, that's behind us. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark. The mark is the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're supposed to be showing forth the grace of God in the ages to come. The things that lie before us in our life ought to be focused on and we ought to be giving our lives and yielding our lives to expressing the grace of God to a world that needs it so desperately. And we have the answer. Isn't that amazing? God could have used anything that He created to do His work. But all oh, the wonderful privilege that He gives to you and I, He has chosen us to take the grace that He has given to me and the grace that He has given to you to all the other folks that are out there that need to hear about it. What a joy. Serving God is not burdensome. It's not grievous. It's not that we have to. 
we get to. What a privilege that God has given us to show forth His grace in the ages to come. Can I encourage you today, if you're here this morning and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, can we get back to this idea of showing forth God's grace? Making sure this world knows there's a God that loves them. That while they may be lost in their sin, and yes, there may be judgment on sin, there's a God in heaven with great mercy and the great love wherewith He loved them that with His grace will offer to give forgiveness of their sin and will save their soul. Verse number 8, Paul makes sure that he clarifies everything. For by grace are you saved through working really hard. Is that what your Bible says? For by grace are you saved by living a good life. Oh, I know. Here it is. Here it is. For by grace are you saved by joining the right church. For by grace are you saved by being baptized? No. For by grace are you saved through what? Faith. Faith alone. Plus nothing and minus nothing. One of the great distinguishing facts between the Baptist faith and those that are Baptistic in their doctrine and all other religions out there, is that they believe that it is faith plus works. Where we believe that the Bible teaches very clearly that it is faith alone. For there is no work that I have that could merit God's favor. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, and boy, it's just like God to put this into the Scriptures, isn't it? It's almost like He knows us, lest any man should boast. We're pretty pride, prideful creatures, aren't we? You know, if we, could, if we could earn our way to heaven, we'd take all the credit. I wasn't the one that saved me, nor am I the one that keeps me saved. The Bible says that if it were not for the mercies of God, we'd be consumed every day. I'm thankful for His mercy day by day. I'm thankful for His grace day by day. I'm thankful that 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried in the tomb, rose again, ascended into heaven, took His own precious, perfect blood and sprinkled it on the mercy seat in heaven as a covering according to the book of Hebrews, for the first time in history, once for all, and covered my sin. He doesn't ask us to labor for it. He doesn't ask us to work for it. He doesn't ask us to go through some trying ordeal to earn it. He simply wants to give it to us. And we just simply have to believe and trust that He's going to give it to us. That He is who He said He is that He's done what He has said He has done. And that's all that I'm relying on. If God does not do what He says He would do, then I'm lost. If He's not who He says He was, then I'm lost. If Jesus has not done what He said He was going to do, then I'm lost. Because He's on the only reason that I'm saved. 
Several years ago, I was at a Bible conference, and we had a printing ministry in our church down in Florida. And so we would go to conferences and set up a, a table to encourage people to print things that they had written. And uh, a fellow came by in a wheelchair, and he uh, had just finished his uh, doctoral thesis at a, at a seminary. And he said, I'd really like to get it published. And he said, could you print my doctoral thesis? I said, well, bring it by. We'll take a look at it, and we'll see uh, if it's something we can help you with. And so he, the next afternoon he brought it by. And the title of his thesis was, The Other Ways to Be Saved. And I handed it back to him and I said, Brother, I am not interested in printing that book for you. Because the Bible teaches us that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. There's only one, one gate to enter. There's not multiple. We're not all on the same road heading the same direction. The very fact of Bible doctrine is a separating fact. It's a divisive fact. Not, we don't have to be mean-spirited. We don't have to be uh, hate, hating towards people. But can I tell you this? that I'm not going to link arm in arm with a, doctor, with a church that teaches that salvation is by any other way than the faith, of the Lord, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is only one way. It's not praying the prayer. I could have come to an altar and prayed the prayer. But it's a decision of the heart. I'm thankful God allows us to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus. But the act of salvation was done before that, that ever came out of the mouth. It was taken in the heart. Now I want you to notice lastly, and we're going to be done. Verse number 10. Christ made us alive when we got saved, but notice this in verse 10. For we are His, what? Workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Unto good works. We are His workmanship. Think about this for a minute. I used to tinker with doing woodworking years ago. I wasn't real good. I've seen guys that are unbelievable craftsmen in the field. I wasn't super good at it, but I took time and I was meticulous and I wanted to be careful of things. I called it the workmanship. I wanted to be cautious about it. I wanted to give it my best effort and do the very best that I could. And Jesus, when He saved us from our sin, He saved us and He crafted us for a reason. And the reason was for us to do good works. Why? So that we could pat ourselves on the back and say, Boy, look at me. Boy, I'm, I'm some great Christian. Boy, I tell you what, I, I clean up nice. I carry a Bible. It's a King James Bible. I carry it to a Baptist church. I go to church three times a week. I go out on visitation. I tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a witness for Him. I teach in a Sunday school. I may sing in a choir. Boy, I do this, and I do that, and I do this, and I do that. Is that why we do good works? Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount said it this way, that men may see your good works and what? Glorify your Father. Why? Because when we do good works, we're showing this world His workmanship in our life. The grace that God saw fit to give to me the only way I can display that to a lost world is by the works that I do. By the way, the Bible teaches that, doesn't it? 
You shall know them by their fruit. By their works. If a man say he loves God, the Bible says he will keep his commandments. Not because we have to. Because we get to. I fear so many times in the Christian life that we obey simply because it is our duty. If we cannot obey any other way, then certainly do it because it's your duty. But isn't it so much more pleasant to obey because we love Him? There are times that I did things that my mom and dad asked me to do and had great joy in doing it because I did it because I loved them. There's nothing they could have asked. There are times, every once in a while, I, I think of this. There are times that we have bills that we have to pay, don't we? How many of you have to pay an electric bill? Anybody have to pay an electric bill? How many of you have to put fuel in your car? Car payments? Those bills come in the mail. You sit down with the bills every month. You get out the checkbook and... I get to pay bills today. This is exciting to me. Oh, 150 there. There you go. There you go, electric company. Oh, car pay. Thank Here you go. Oh, been 30 days since I saw you last. Here it is. I'm excited about that bill. We don't do that, do we? Usually we're like, oh, is it really that much? I have to do that? Yeah, I owe it. But then Christmas time comes around. And if you have kids, or if you don't, you have nieces and nephews, or a brother or sister, or a mom or a dad. And it's nothing to write that amount in there. You know why? Because you love them. And there's joy in giving that. Can I tell you this? Some people serve God because they feel like they have to. They almost approach it like they're paying some bill that they owe. I'll tell you this right off the bat. We owe a debt to God we'll never be able to repay. Let's not try to repay a debt. Let's just serve Him out of the love for the grace that He's shown us. And by the way, when we learn to serve out of love, we're able to display His workmanship of grace in our hearts. When we begin to serve out of love, it is not grievous to us, but it's a great joy. Two questions this morning. Number one, are you saved? Has there been a time in your life that you've trusted Christ as your Savior? And if you, if you can't answer that question, if you say, no, Brother Greg, I don't know today if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. I've never had a time where I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Can I encourage you in a moment when we have the invitation to come forward and let us take the Bible and show you how you can be saved? For Christians that are here, you say, Brother Greg, I know I'm saved. Let me ask you this question. Are we excited about being His workmanship? Are we excited about declaring His grace in the ages to come? Maybe we need to have a revival in our heart of loving Him so that we no longer serve out of obligation or out of duty, but we begin to serve because we love Him. Let me encourage you in that, shall we? Stand together with heads bowed and eyes closed, please, as our piano and organist come to the instruments. Father, we pray that You'll bless the message this morning. Lord, just a few simple thoughts. 
nothing new for those that have been in church, but Lord, something that by way of remembrance we need to be reminded of on a regular basis. I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. If there's someone here today that does not know you as their Savior, I don't care how long they've attended church, but if they don't know that they would die right now, that they would go to heaven, they don't know that they've ever put their faith in you, I pray that you would allow the convicting of your Holy Spirit to draw them, that they would make that decision today. And then, Father, for Christians that are here, I pray that you would help us to be drawn closer to your heart, that we would love you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul and all of our mind, that we would serve you with great, great joy. I pray that your Holy Spirit will have his will and way in the service. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. With heads bowed and eyes closed, please, if you would, no one looking around, just for a time of privacy and God dealing with people. If God has spoken to your heart, perhaps you'd come this morning. If you need someone to pray with, we'll be glad to pray with you. Or if you'd like to come and pray alone, that's fine. If God has not spoken to your heart, perhaps you'd pray for others that He has. But if God has spoken to you today, would you come as the piano and organ begin to play? Let's all take our hymnals. I'm going to have you do this. We don't normally do this in the invitation time. Would you take your hymnal and turn to number 209? I want to sing with the piano and organ, if you would. Grace that is greater than our sin. We're going to sing several verses of it if you need your books. Let's sing together. The invitation is still open. If God's spoken to you, would you come? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater. I want us to sing that third verse. I love this verse. Think about it as we sing it. Dark is the stain that we cannot hide. What can avail to wash it away? Look 
There is flowing a crimson tide, whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Fathers, we close in prayer. We're thankful so much for your word. We're thankful for the wonderful, wonderful gift that you give to us. Lord, we can never express our gratitude deeply enough. And I pray that as we reflect on what you have done for us, I pray that it will help to draw our hearts closer to you every single day. That there will be a growing in the Christian life of loving you more day by day. I pray that you'd help us to be able to show forth to this world in the time that we have left, whether it be in this lifespan that you've given us on this earth, or whether it be for the remainder of the time before you come and capture us all away. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be diligent and that we would seek to encourage others to trust you as their Savior, that we would be sharing the gospel and showing forth your grace to those that need to hear it. We thank you for the time together, the time of fellowship. We pray that you'll bless the mealtime afterwards and the food that we'll partake of and the time of fellowship. I pray that you'll bless and use it. And then for our afternoon service, I pray, Lord, that you'll bless there as well. Encourage us, instruct us, and teach us in your word. Thank you for those that have been here with us today. It's been such a joy to have been in your house, around your people, and around the fellowship. We pray that you'll help us to leave now with the message on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just before the piano uh, plays, let me just mention, uh, I know we've got Brother Kenny and his family here, and Brother Austin, we do have lunch available. If you all are wanting to stay in fellowship, you're welcome to it. We've got plenty downstairs, uh, and we usually do that, and then we have our 1 o'clock service. You're welcome to stay. Don't feel like you have to, but we'd love to invite you to come and stay with us and be a part of that. All right? Thank you all. You're dismissed.